Welcome to the Crash the Pond podcast. It is a Monday, August 22nd edition of the podcast. And Jake, we're in the we're in the dead of summer here. We're in the absolute dead of summer. Nothing is happening. But you know what? What better time to do a podcast as you receive something in the background? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> wow. Okay, well, here we go. The, so for those who can't see, because this is a, an audio format, Jake just brought his newborn baby son, Luke, onto the sh- onto the image, onto the screen, and he is adorable. My goodness, this is yep. the fir- this is the first ba- baby appearance on the show. Yep, yep. <laughs> and now he's moving the mic. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, so he's, he's gonna he cry said- now. You said nothing happened in in summer. Something definitely happened. Okay, sports wise, sports yeah. wise. Uh, yeah, Jake yeah, had yeah. a kid. Yeah, Jake had a kid. Let's just. You're dig- you're, you're a little hot, by the way, Felix, on the mic. <laughs> this is why I asked you beforehand. But <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> why ask anyway? It doesn't matter. It it just won't work anyway. Your tone went up a little bit higher. Let's say that once you started. Fair enough. So. Yeah, Jake has a kid now. Jake is a father. Uh, Luke has a father. So that is that is pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, Alley Cat said, if we call our baby ducks ducklings, is a baby crash the pond a crashling? <laughs> yeah, you could go a couple different ways with that. You could do a, a pondling, a crashling, a CTPling. I think you've got a lot of, a lot of room there mm-hmm. to, to navigate mm-hmm. as Jake cracks a beer. Yep, it's that time. You know, Jake, yeah. I, I will say this. There's another first on this show that I want to what? point out. What would you like to? Uh, oh, wait. People can't hear you. <laughs> uh, I don't know. What or, the... Oh, no. They can't hear me. Got it. Got it. Go on, Felix. Pe- this is just for. Uh, I can hear I'll fix, you. I'll fix this. Go Keep going. Okay. Just well, tell, this, them pe- th- tell them this, they can't hear me. This is slightly a shit show. That's okay. It's, we're, 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 not, we're not in mid-season form. We're in off, this is off-season form, just so everybody knows. Um, so what I wanted to point out that this is a first, well, first off first baby appearance, which is amazing. Second first is that Jake is clear video feed. I'm not looking at you through, uh, a refracted lens and it doesn't appear that you have a potato camera. So congratulations on getting your internet fixed. I appreciate, we all appreciate that. Thank you. I think I've, I think I'm good now. It's, it's been a journey. Yeah. So, okay. I think that I think everyone can hear me now. I think my audio's in. I'll clean this all up now later. But uh, so people on the audio format definitely heard me through all that. People on the video format, uh, both on YouTube and in Twitch. Sorry about that. But uh, yeah, my internet's been fixed. Let's just say while I was out on my uh, podcast paternity leave, Cox decided to actually fix everything, and now I'm getting proper speeds. Yeah, it looks good. It yeah. actually, I'm happy. I'm happy about this. I'm happy for you. There's nothing more annoying as a podcaster than, well, someone who podcasts not from a studio than bad internet, because that is kind of like the thing you need for everything else to matter. So happy for that. As a result of this being the off season, middle of the off season, where there's really nothing hockey related to talk about in terms of news, we figured that we were just going to dive into some hot topics that have arisen on the good old Twitter machine in the last few days. We'll talk about the World Juniors, and then we'll get into some questions. And I think it'll it'll be fun just to kind of 
shoot the breeze, talk about bigger picture stuff. And I think that the listeners will, will get something out of this, hopefully. Yeah, it feels like it's been a while. It's been probably about a month since uh, the listeners heard from me on the main show. So that's right. T- time to get my thoughts in. I guess really briefly, I did this on the Patreon episode. I'll do it here again. John Klingberg signing. Great piece of business. Absolutely massive piece of business. It's going to be fun this season, guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's right. The The last regular podcast I did was the one with, with Eric. And he, yeah, we talked about it. You weren't here. And we haven't done one since. No, I was in hospital. That's crazy. Also, by the way, I just want to ask really quickly. Yeah. So when you say you're in hospital or you're in the hospital, is there is there a difference in what that means? Because I hear people use both versions of that. No, it just is what came out of my mouth in that specific moment. I think it means the same thing. I could be wrong. People will probably might jump in and correct me. But you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like I'm not. This isn't. This isn't out of left field. Not really. Okay, not completely out of left field. I mean, no. I mean, it is kind of out of left field. I don't really know what you're saying. Oh, you've never heard someone say I'm in hospital? Like they. And anyway, this is totally relevant now. Okay. <laughs> it, it's August, everyone. Let's uh, <laughs> let's get into the topic du jour. So Mason McTavish had a. By the way, the World Junior <laughs> Hockey Championship <laughs> just ended, and it's August 22nd, as I already uh, pointed out, which feels very odd. It was an odd tournament from, from the looks of it. Uh, sparse attendance and really good final game, it appears. I didn't watch a second of it, but from all indications, it was a good tournament. The substance was good. It was just that nobody was there to watch it, and in large part because it's in a weird time of the year, but Team Canada won the gold medal, which means that Mason McTavish and Olin Zellweger are gold medalists, and more notably, Mason McTavish won the tournament MVP and basically lit the tournament on fire with a crazy, I believe it was 17-point performance over the span of the tournament. So really impressive. I believe he tied a record set by Wayne Gretzky uh, for a number of points. So just overall, very, very impressive. What do you take away from it? I mean, it's tough, right? Because it, it, we, we both say on the good and the bad side of things, the World Junior Tournament's really tough to really get a read on because at the end of the day, it's small sample. And especially this year when it's in the middle of summer, it's hard to really get a read on these guys. But I think it's it's definitely noteworthy because of the, the amount of points that he put up and just how, um, what's it, how much he took over that tournament. And something kind of we go back to with right with Trevor Zegras. And you look back on the world junior that he had and how that really felt like his coming out party on the whole. And that's kind of what this felt like for Mason McTavish. And you look back on that world junior, right? Trevor Zegras, I'd look this up and I'll look this up right, uh, again right now. Also had, set records. <laughs> yeah, he also set records. So Zegras at that time, let me get to it very quickly, put up uh, 18 points in seven games. And then Mason McTavish, what had, uh, uh, what was it, uh, 17 points? Yeah, so he had 17 points. And just to make sure I'm very clear on this so I don't get someone correcting me later on, uh, he so he led the tournament with eight goals, 17 points, and he tied Wayne Gretzky and Eric Lindros for the second most points by a Canada player at the at WJC. Yeah, so, and, and, and so, so we, look, we look back on that trip. He's, sen- he's in the same sentence as Wayne Gretzky in, in yeah. a particular 
record book. Yep, and and so kind of we look back on that World Junior for Trevor Zegers, and that was it felt like his coming out party. You look at the gold medal game and how he came in with that confidence and how he really impacted that tournament on the whole. And I was about to say, well, the only difference there is this was in McTavish's draft plus one year, whereas that was Zegers's draft plus two. But COVID, that was also a January tournament. This is a summer tournament. So it's kind of similar in terms of those regards. That's um, fair. And, and so oh, I... Th- Although McTavish didn't really have a draft draft year, if that makes sense. So yeah, maybe yeah, it yeah, evens yeah. out. Sure. Yeah. So I, I was just going to say it kind of evens out with both these guys having these massive tournaments. And you look at McTavish, the points he put up, and also what he was able to do in terms of putting together a signature moment, saving the goal on the goal yeah. line. That, that's not necessarily something that I think that you look at from a Ducks fan perspective and say, this is going to translate into something at the NHL. But it just is a really kind of, feel good moment let's go with that something that puts them on on the front page of of newspapers everything like that and it's just it's an exciting time and i think also not to be lost in the conversation is the tournament that olin zellweger had and he also was up there in terms of point production for canadians and uh i'm trying to let 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 all defensemen with 11 points so two goals nine assists and it's the it's the most points by a defenseman in the tournament uh since alex petrangelo in 2010 so it's yeah. been tw- it's been 12 years since someone's come close to this. And I think that there was a play, and to be completely honest, with the baby, I wasn't able to watch a, mu- a whole lot of this tournament with Luke or because of times. Are you kidding being me? on NHL Network, everything like that. Gold medal game, I was able to find a way to watch, though. And I think that there was a play in this game that I think really... It really put Olin Zellweger's game in, in a nice little clippable format. And it was an assist he had, I believe it was on the second goal, where he's able to get his shoulder in and actually able to use his body to take a guy off the puck in the D zone, gets the puck, transitions into the neutral zone with a clean zone exit with the puck on his stick, and then right around the offensive blue line makes a pass on to set up a three-on-two. Um, and he's, I think, the high guy driving, and they end up scoring off of that. And I think he got an assist. It wasn't a highlight reel assist from him, but it was the play in the lead-up to that that I think was so important for him and really shows what type of player he's going to be and how important that type of style is now in this game. And so I think that Mason McTavish, there's a whole lot of highlights with the goals they scored and the points they put up. I think Olin Zellweger, while he has all the points, I think that there are moments like that that really stick out to me. And I think it's similar to, to some of the games they played for the goals last year where he had some moments, and with the goals, it didn't result in that one game in a point. But you could see the level of skill that he had and the amount that he was able to think the game at a different level. And I think we've had guys on this show, whether it was Mitch Brown or uh, Chris Peters, I can't remember off the top of my head, but have come out and said that being able to think the game is one of the most important things because you really can't teach that. And it feels like Olin Zellweger has that ability. Yeah, I mean, just a quote here from a quote from Connor Bedard, who, if you don't know, he's the projected number one pick for next year's draft. Uh, by the way, seeing 2023 NHL draft makes me realize that that famous 03 draft is going to is going on its 20th anniversary, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, but Connor Bedard said about Zellweger that he's crazy good. His skill and skating and his deception are unreal. I'll just watch his highlights sometimes for enjoyment, <laughs> which I feel like that's pretty high praise from yeah. one of the most skilled players we've seen in junior hockey in in decades. Yeah, I mean, he he is just exactly what you want out of a modern-day defenseman. And I think people are going to really look at his size and say, can he do it at the NHL? 
And I think that size is just vastly overrated at this point in time in the NHL. Yeah, you can succeed in spite of size. It's it's pretty clear that there's enough examples of guys overcoming it where just being small doesn't preclude you from being good. It can be an issue if you don't have other skills, but I would argue that if you're big and you don't have other skills, you're not going to succeed either, right? Yeah. Like like there's no size is, is not a sufficient condition or or even necessary. It's just a factor in all of this and it can it can weigh more depending on what else you bring to the table. So Yep. Let's uh let's get into one of the bigger narratives that came out of this yep. uh, tournament cuz I've been I've been stewing on this and Sunday morning I believe it was I was on a caffeine fueled just Twitter war. You and don't which... say you caffeine with <laughs> with with kind of law school right now? Shocker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my my new best friend just kidding. Caffeine's always my best friend. Um nothing really new there. Oh, by the way, I just want to give a shout out to my uh, local Starbucks today because did they I, recognize you and say, do you want your usual? Did you get a, your usual reference? No, no. Okay. But so I, I'm an, I'm a mobile order guy because I I'm antisocial. I don't know. Same, same. It's the best. It's the best thing to do. It's just fast. It's faster. But so I, I had two shots of espresso this morning and on my way to, to campus, I was like, ah, you know, for the afternoon stretch might need a little more. So got a small, or as they would call it at Starbucks, tall uh, cold brew. And I get there, and I see the label. It says tall. It says cold brew. It says my name. But it's literally a Trenta. (laughs) 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 They just gave me a jug. Did you you take it? Yes. And by the way, Trenta is the biggest size. People don't know. Uh, Did did not even drink half of it. And now I just have a a jug of cold brew in my my fridge. So anyway... (laughs) total total sidebar but that's okay it's august no rules apply right now so sunday caffeine fueled twitter war and this has been brewing because earlier in the week takes are, takes have been flying jake that's what happens in august people get a little delusional when there's only one tournament we haven't seen nhl hockey in months we haven't seen really the majority of the league in in a long time i mean we, we haven't seen the ducks since april right we saw hockey up until june but it wasn't or was it even, yeah, it was June, but that was just a, you know, a handful of teams. So people are saying, and this is a take that I saw, and I don't want to name any names, but that Mason McTavish, not Trevor Zegras, will be the Ducks' best player in five years. And there's a lot of underpinnings to this argument, but just, let's just, just kind of gut reaction on its face. What do you think when you hear something like that? Uh, it's trying to trigger me. <laughs> um, no, my, my gut reaction when I first hear that is it's frustrating, right? Because it feels like it's, it's the old hockey man narrative, the old, old narrative out there. That is the flippy pluck kid. The, the high skilled guy is never going to be as good as the guy that is supposedly better as a two way player. And that's what it, it feels like to me by making essentially pitting them against each other. And I think that is my frustration with that narrative. And I feel like at times it undersells what Trevor Zegras is going to become. And I think that is the other point of frustration that I have with that. I mean, Trevor Zegras at this point in time, he had what, a 60 some odd point season last year, which is not normal for a guy in his NHL, essentially first full NHL season. Um, it had, yeah, 61 points in 75 games, um, as a 20 year old in the NHL, 
that is not something to scoff at as a 20 year old and he is going to just get better because as we've seen some of that was a little bit driven by some shooting luck things like that he's going to get better he's going to have better players around him on the power play also and he's going to end up putting more points on the board at five on five also as a result of that because his numbers are just going to get better as the seasons go on and the years go on and, and so I think that my frustration with that is it's underselling in some ways what Zegris is. And I think the better way to have this conversation is that Mason McTavish is a great player and he's probably going to be a fantastic player. But Mason, Mc, like you can have both be good and not necessarily have to compare them. The better way to have this conversation is Mason McTavish looks like he's going to be a one or two C. For Zegers, we have more information on, and it's pretty clear to me that he's going to be a 1C. So, basically, the Ducks could end up with two first-line centers. Why is this a bad thing? Why are we having to pit them against each other and compare them? And I think that's my frustration. I mean, it's just the hot takery that happens at times. I've done it at times, and I'll do it again with saying that I think uh, Olin Zellweger is going to be better than Jamie Drysdale. And so, I'm feeding into that narrative right now by saying that. So, I get where it comes from, but I think... With Trevor Zegers, the frustration, I think, is that it comes from a place of this is a kid that doesn't play the game the way it's supposed to, um, and so he can't be as good as the guy that plays in the the old-fashioned, hard way. And I think that that is my frustration. So I said just, and I think that all those are, are valid points, and I, I would agree with them. So I'm, I said I was not going to name names, but you know what? This is the world of podcasting. This is the world of, of takes. This is the world of analysis, and when you put your name on something and you put it out there, you are essentially saying, I'm okay with my name being attached to this take. And so, I don't think there's anything wrong with me quoting someone. Ben Misfelt at BBM Hockey said, uh, on the 15th, said, Sorry, Zegris, but Mason McTavish will be the Ducks' best forward in five years. And I just want to quickly iterate that this is a writer for the Prospect Network. So this is, this is a writer and this is, you know, he's got a decent following. So this isn't just like some random person replying to our tweets or something like that. So he said, sorry, Zegris, but Mason McTavish will be the Ducks best forward in five years. Puck control and strength are off the charts, allows him to do whatever he wants in the offensive zone, will be a monster in the tough areas and should have, un should have excellent underlying numbers. So here's the thing. I don't he's think not, he's not wrong. I don't think in any terms of, of what he said about McTavish. Here's the, yeah, but here's the thing though is that none of those things he said about McTavish are wrong. It's just do those thing, do those things being true about McTavish distinguish McTavish significantly from Zegris? Because you could definitely say that Trevor Zegris, for one, his puck control is off the charts. Yeah, and and that's supposedly what's making McTavish the best forward here. Part of it. You know, Zegers' strength is not off the charts right now, but does it have to be when you're that great at controlling you the puck? You don't have to be strong in the necessarily strong physically in the corners if you're able to get the puck and dig it out in certain situations and have the skill to get around guys instead of going through them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So strength again, it's kind of going back to the size thing. I think you I think strength is closer to being necessary, but I don't know if that automatically makes you a dominant player because everyone is really strong. These are all pro athletes. So I don't know if puck control and strength are really going to distinguish McTavish from Zegris. And there's just no way that McTavish's puck control is better than Zegris's. I think any anyone looking at that will, will tell you the same. And then to the second point, 
allows him to do whatever he wants in the offensive zone. So I think that that's true right now for Mason McTavish, playing in junior hockey, playing in the World Juniors. But until we have seen him do that in the NHL, I think that that's a really bold claim. And I'm not so like, it's not that I don't think it'll happen. It's just because it's a proof of concept because it's so bold. I just can't fully get behind it, which sucks because it makes it sound like I doubt that he can do it. It's just how many players in the NHL can do whatever they want in the offensive zone. Like 10. Yeah. 15. There's not many, right? So this is essentially implying that Mason McTavish is going to be one of the very best players in the NHL, which I think no Ducks fan would be against that happening. Uh, And then said, we'll be a monster in the tough areas. I think that that's totally valid. I mean, he's showing that. Uh, I think that that will be potentially his bread and butter in the NHL on top of all the small area skills and should have excellent underlying numbers. Again, that's just one of those things where there's so much that goes into having excellent underlying numbers in the NHL that I think just looking at a skill set and how it applies in junior is just really hard to do. It's hard to project. It's way too much of a hypothesis. And it's essentially trying to make a bold claim off a hypothesis without proof of concept. And I think the tough thing is that we have proof of concept that Trevor Zegers is the number one center. The Ducks, we've talked about it, right? The Ducks haven't necessarily had a center that has put up points in the way that Trevor Zegers had in years. Right. From basically since Ryan Getzloff's prime, probably. Right. Um, And so to straight up say a guy that doesn't have that proof of concept yet is going to yet is going to be significantly better than him. It is just, it's just out there. And it's also just underselling necessarily what Trevor's egress is. And so I think the better way to have this conversation is saying the ducks are stacked. If, (laughs) if Trevor's egress stays on this path and becomes a first line center in the NHL, 80 plus like point per game player throughout his career, and then Mason McTavish becomes a transition monster. I think that, let me ask you this question. If you had to say one of these players is going to be a higher point producing player throughout his career, which one would it be? Zegris or, or McTavish? Ooh, that's really hard because I think that McTavish does have the potential to be a good power play producer with his shot. But I think it's it can be harder to be a power play producer if you're relying on others feeding you. So... Trevor Zegras. I think yep. that he he kind of sets the floor for himself with his own creativity. Like I don't think he's as dependent on everyone else to produce on the power play and even at even strength. So I'm gonna go with Zegras. Yep, yep, I agree with that. But still, like I, I think McTavish is still gonna be a 60 plus point player probably throughout yes. his career. And so you end up with a first line center, a second line center that are essentially both first line centers. Boo-hoo for the Ducks. Like, why is this made out to be this way? The better conversation is, say, the Ducks are stacked down the middle, that they have those two uh, down the center. You also are still going to have Ryan Strom. You are going to have Isaac Lundestrom also. Like, this is a team that is absolutely stacked. And yeah. uh, and Zegers probably is going to be play, playing with Troy Terry and Frank Vetrano this year. And so it, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and so I think that kind of – changing that narrative changing that conversation is what i would like to see yeah and i think that there is this whole notion and you you touched on earlier that oh there it's two parts one is that mctavish plays the game the way that you know he plays it the right way hard nose north south all of this and i mean that's true to a degree but i feel like that's almost underselling mason mctavish and his own skill level and then the other part of that is that well trevor zegris 
you know, because he's not that strong, which I mean, that's going to change. That's going to that's going to increase because he doesn't play this game that the, the way that we like it. He's just doesn't fit and, and he doesn't fit the mold of a true first line center. As a result, McTavish will be the better player. I mean, people go as far as to say that McTavish's style is better suited for the NHL. Is there really one style or another that's better suited as long as you're just better at executing, you know, well, that style? It, it, it goes back, right, to even thinking about the 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 Michigan assist that yeah. Zegers had and how everyone yeah. was flipping out about it. The flying and, Z, is that what we call it, it now? Uh, whatever we want to call it. But at the end of the day, what did it do? It created a high-quality offensive scoring chance that scored a goal. Yeah. Why Why do we care how it happened? How is that different than a wraparound goal? How is that different than putting the puck into the crease and allowing for a jam? If Milano misses that, where's the puck? Right in front of the crease where guys can jam at it. Right. So why is it considered a flashy, non- um, Non-hockey play. Non-hockey play when it creates a high-quality offensive scoring chance. Yeah. And I think that is what people are afraid of with Seagrass is that he is changing the way hockey is being played. And I think that there's a large part of the hockey fan base that pushes back on that. And I think yeah. that, that is what we see with this. Agreed. And I also think that people, I mean, especially the people commenting on these types of discussions are really looking to bring Zegris down. They see the highlights and they assume that that's, that's just, that's the meat of his game. And first off, they, <laughs> It would be pretty impressive if that's all he ever did was Michigan moves and the scoop assists. But really, and you know, we've talked about this before, if you watch him play, but if you go into the tracking data, which is essentially the same as having watched the games, except everything got tracked so you can look back. Zegris is already a monster at entering the offensive zone with control, setting up teammates, setting up shots, getting shots on net. He's good at getting chances off the rush and off the cycle he's good at getting the puck back in the defensive zone like this is already a very complete player and there's still a lot of there's elements of his game that need shoring up just ask Dallas Akins but the whole like you've already kind of touched on it but the whole notion that he's the flippy puck guy it's just it's like tell me you don't actually watch him play or have done zero research about his game without telling me is yep. what I hear when someone says that yep exactly um, so this has all been, I just want to be very clear. This is a defense of Trevor Zegers. This is in no way meant to say that Mason McTavish is this guy, like, you know, to bring him down. Because I think what we should take away from this tournament, and this gets into the next topic. What we should take away from this tournament in the last season is that Mason McTavish, for all intents and purposes, is, is done with junior hockey, yep. in my mind. Yep. I believe we have to get into an ad rate soon. Yep. Do you want to just do that now? Sure. Okay. We can definitely do that. So, <laughs> hey, you. Yeah, you. Got Bush? You definitely do if you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor today, Manscaped. Taking control of your Bush is important. These products are so good, you're going to be showing pride in your new new Bush-free yard. It's a fact that you will have the best-kept nutsack on the cul-de-sac. Save big on the big, or save big and be the most hygienic version of yourself by using our discount code CTP for twenty percent off and free shipping at Manscaped.com. So whether you're looking to go bald like an eagle, 
or just need in need of a safe trim manscaped is dedicated to helping you feel or helping you level up your full body grooming game the grooming package I highly recommend is the Performance Package 4.0, and inside the package is the Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is a bush's worst nightmare. The trimmer is designed to reduce grooming accidents and shave hair on loose skin, and shave hair on, on loose skin thanks to a ceramic blade and advanced skin-safe technology. And you have no need for night vision goggles, Felix. This trimmer has an LED light to allow you to mow the lawn in the dark. It's basic landscaping. Come on. And when you trim the hedges. The trees stand taller. The second best tool in the performance package is the Weed Whacker. This fine-tuned nose and ear hair trimmer will make sure your nasty nose pubes are under control. Instantly add some pep in your step with the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Spray-On Toner. With a performance package purchase, you get two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag and the patented high-performance Reduced Chafing Manscaped boxers they have a bunch of other products on their website also to help you maximize your confidence and grooming game get 20 percent off plus free shipping with our code ctp at manscaped.com kate bush may be trending at the moment but your bush needs some help get 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use our code ctp it's time you level up from amazon from the amazon to the amadong with the ultimate bushwhacking tools from manscaped Okay. Wow. Wait, Felix, I got a question for you. By the way, now that my internet's back and working and we're back on our old feed, we have some fun graphics that we're running that I was able to run during the hour. Oh, I see that. That's hilarious. Yep. Yep. That's there, really funny. There you go. Uh Felix, let me ask you this real quick. Yes. Do you know who Kate Bush is and why she would have been trending? Nope and no. So you know that song Run Up the Hill? That got really popular. It was an 80s song, got popular because of Stranger Things. No. Well, she's the singer of it. I figured you wouldn't know. Yeah, I. That just. So running up that hill. Th- that just flew over my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but that's that's normal for me, though. I'm I'm pop culture illiterate. That, which is why I decided to ask, because I was curious if you would have gotten the reference, and I figured no. you wouldn't. I, I was actually going to ask you who that was after yeah. the show, but you decided to. <laughs> To show me up uh, on air, which I always appreciate. I mean, it took me a quick second as I was reading. I was like, oh, yeah, that's why. <laughs> so, okay. Mason McTavish. Is there any reason to send him back to junior hockey next season? No. I don't think so either. Because here's what people always say about a guy in junior hockey, a, a, a top prospect, is that he must dominate his level, let him play among his peers, let him truly dominate, and so that way he can build up his confidence uh, you know, before making the jump. Well, what else does he need to do to, to like, he's, he completely torched the OHL this year. He's dominated the world, the world junior championship. He dominated the OHL playoffs. I just don't really see what the case is for, for sending him back. And just, just to make it clear. So this season he had 47 points in 29 games in the OHL, which, you know, maybe you could say, okay, that's just not a lot of games. You know, that could be an argument. And then in the playoffs, he had 29 points in uh, 27 games. Or sorry, 19 19. games. 19 games. So, I just, like, how much more do you need to see of this in the OHL? Yeah, and I think at a certain point, there is some complacency that can end up in a guy's game. Right. And, um, And so, I think that that is something you have to be cognizant of. And when you end up with a guy that's going into his final year of junior, playing against guys that are 16 years old, that he is just, quite frankly, more physically physically mature than. 
Yeah. What does he have to gain there? And yeah. I think when you're looking at it from the development perspective, I think that he gains a whole lot more by being in the NHL next year as compared to being in junior hockey and dominating that because he's already done that this year. Right. And, or done that this last year. And so I just, I really don't necessarily see what they're saying. I don't really get the argument of sending him back because it's just, like I said, you can get complacent in junior. You can build bad habits because they're successful. Those bad habits don't come back to bite you in junior hockey. And I think that that is something that you really have to be wary of with a guy like McTavish. And I think having him be in the NHL is just going to be more beneficial for him. I think it's going to be more beneficial for the Ducks. I think it's just the better situation overall because he's ready, quite frankly. And I, and I think at this point in time, I think with where the league has gone, with how players are protected by the league, and I know that a lot of people do, and even me, bring up points that they need to spend more stuff. But I think that overall, the league, with the way that they punish headshots, have made it a safer place to play. And I think it makes it easier for young guys to transition their way into the NHL at a younger age. And we're seeing that with more and more young players making their way into the NHL and making impacts at a younger age in the NHL also. And I think that it's time for people to kind of change their mind on that. And I think some people maybe may look at this in the sense of you want them to marinate but it's time for him to be in the NHL. I think the one that you could maybe have a better case for is an Olin Zellweger, maybe because he is so young. Yeah. Because for those that don't remember, he was like two weeks away from not being eligible for the 2021 NHL draft. He was almost 2022 NHL draft eligible instead of 2021. But I still think he gets games in the NHL. I think after the tournament that he's had, I think he's... In the season, he had 78 points in 55 games. Like, I think he's going to at least get a couple games in the NHL. I, I think that's just going to happen. Well, so on the topic of McTavish, though, just just to stay there for a little bit, I think that it's hard because I th- I think that the the case for sending him back is that yes, he's dominated, but if you look at it, he had his rookie year in the OHL, which was the nineteen twenty you know shortened season. He played fifty seven games, didn't get to play the following year. Then this last season, he played twenty nine games in the OHL. And so even though it's kind of been this long road, he hasn't really played that many games in Canadian junior hockey. And he's going to be, but the funny thing about all this is that he's going to be 20 in January. Like he's, he, he was one. So he's like one month away. Cause when's his birthday specifically in January, January 30th. So if he was born, I think 31 days earlier, he would have been in the AHL this year. Right. So I think that the, so, the, so this is kind of like where I come at this from is what do you value more? Is it the amount of games that he's played at a certain level? Does that outweigh the age or how, you know, does that have a relationship with the age? Or in the case of Zellweger, do you look at the fact that he's so young or do you look at the fact that he's had two full seasons in the, in the WHL? So I think that there's, I mean, there's competing theories here and I do, I don't think that there's a right or wrong answer. But in McTavish's case, I do think that if you look at the style of game, the physical profile, the fact that, yes, he has played, he hasn't played that many games in the OHL, it's still been a two-year, three-year journey for him. And hes I just don't think there's anything left for him to prove there outside of just getting more reps, which he can get in the NHL, and which I think there is a spot for him in the NHL too. I think that the Ducks are probably hoping that he 
you know, has a good camp just so they can get him on the team. I think that that's what they, they want to bring him in house. Well, yeah. And I think that the ducks are set up in a really nice way to be able to insulate him in some ways, because they do have Adam Henrique on this team who can play center or wing. And so if you want to have Mason McTavish, I think, by the way, put him at center, let him play like the same argument we had with Trevor Zegers, let him play his natural position. I think that last year, fine, whatever, 18 year old made the team, put him on wing. Sure. Whatever. This year, play him in his natural position. You can insulate him with an Adam Henrique on his wing um, and, and really kind of help him out there. You could do Adam Henrique, Mason McTavish, Sam Carrick. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, that yeah. That that could be your, your quote-unquote third line. Put Max Comtois with Ryan Strom and uh, I'm trying to think about who you would put on the right side of that line. Uh, maybe a Jacob Silverberg. Or you put Silverberg with, with McTavish. Like, or you do Strom on the wing with, with McTavish. Like, there's so many options with the amount of guys on the Ducks that can play center or wing. Do you think that, it matters what role he's in? No, I think roles are overrated. The, the old adage of, oh, well, if you're just calling him up to be on the fourth line, then he might as well play in junior type no, of thing. No, I, I think roles are overrated when you're rolling four lines. Yeah. If you're, well, ro- if you, if you're rolling four lines and the fourth line is playing 10 to 12 minutes no matter what, it doesn't matter if he's a fourth liner because he's still going to be getting 12 minutes a game and going to be getting that experience and work his way up the lineup also. Let me ask you this. Will Mason McTavish be handled with kid gloves like Trevor Zegers continues to be? No, because he's not a flippy puck guy. <laughs> he he wasn't he wasn't handled with kid, kid, kid gloves last year by right. Dallas Aikens. Like, we have that proof right there that in the NHL, Dallas Aikens put him on the penalty kill, I think, and had him out there in late-game situations. Yeah. Like, he handled him completely different. Yeah, and so I think that, and so t- to that point, if Mason McTavish makes the team, like I think he's not just going to rot on the bench. He's going to play, mm-hmm. and good for him and good for the Ducks. I think that that's just organizationally... That's where he needs to be, and it just further drives them into this kind of next wave. And here's the thing that's always an option. Let's say he makes the Ducks, and he just looks completely out of place after 10, 20 games. Yeah. You can send him back. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing that I think people don't really properly account for is that, yes, after the nine games, the first year of his ELC kicks in, but that doesn't mean that he's now stuck in the NHL. You can still send him back. Yes, you've incurred that year, but if you really don't think that he's belonging in the NHL, you can still send we, him back. And we've talked about it. That nine-game thing is a bit overrated. Like, sure, it does matter. because I, th- I think it matters more for players of this caliber because you'd probably rather delay paying these guys. Than than like than like a Lundestrom. See, I think I think the opposite. Yeah, I mean, I I I just think there's a case either way. It's not. It's it's close. And and that's my point is that the argument for the burning a year not being a big deal is that he's going to hit his restricted free agency a bit earlier. He's not going to have the point totals they would have. Sure, he's not going to be at eight ninety four k cap hit for that third year. He's now going to be at maybe two or three mil, but you're going to get him at more of a bargain than you probably would have on that second deal. So the second deal ends up being a little bit easier as a result of that. And so it's a give and take. And so you're getting to the higher cap hit sooner, but if you're in good shape cap wise, then it's a little bit better because you're able to get him at a little bit better term because he doesn't have the point totals. uh, Yeah. I mean, right now his RFA year would be if he, if they don't slide this year would be 2025. And that year, I mean, I'm just looking like there's no high profile 
deal to really get done. I mean, Jacob Perot is an RFA that year. Sasha Passajab is an RFA. I mean, it just depends and, and on then, what they do with Perry oh, and Zegers. Actually, okay, maybe I take it back slightly. So that summer, these are the guys who are RFAs. Zellweger, Hellison, Mintukov, Passajab, Perot, well, Gaucher. But that's assuming those don't slide. Assume, yeah, so that could move around per, for sure. Perot, Perot won't slide. Passajab probably will slide. Like, it, yeah. it, the, the, Gaucher is going to slide, like... Those are the guys that are all going to slide. Even though, I, even though I know that you said Nathan Gauthier makes the Ducks out of camp. That was your bold prediction. I'm still I'm still here, and more people are with me now. The people are with me. You know what's funny is that Mason McTavish is just listed on the Ducks roster on Cap Friendly. Like He's just he's not like in the minors or in the reserves. He's just on the team. I mean, out. to be fair, Glenn Godden also is. Hey, hey, don't, don't let the facts get in the way of a good I, story. I mean, Glenn Godden technically is on a one-way deal. <laughs> Yeah, but as we oh, it's it's one way. Sorry, it's one way for the first year. The second year's two way. Yeah, that's weird. Oh that no, is... no 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 never mind. It is one. It is two way. No matter. No, no. never mind. Nope, no no no. It's nope, it's nope. two way the second year. You were right yeah. the first. Yeah, time. yeah yeah yeah. Don't doubt yourself. I know. Sometimes I just gotta trust myself. Okay, so we've we've spent some time on this. Um, I do want to try to keep this somewhat of a tight timeline. So one other point I wanted to get into with you which might make me seem like a hypocrite, you know, and us hypocrite with, hey, don't compare them, don't use one to disparage the other. You have a point, which I have time for, is that, well, actually, why don't you tell us your hot take? I don't want okay. to ruin it for everyone This else. is more so because of, I think, where you and I both are at with Drysdale. I think that the proof with Drysdale isn't necessarily there well, can like you, it can, is. Can, can you say the take? I, yeah, I was about, oh, I already said it. Zellweger is going to be a better defenseman long-term for the Ducks than, than Jamie Drysdale is. Wow. And I think the, the difference between this and the, the Zegras take, and I think that this is more so why I'm okay saying this, is that the Zegras take is mainly rooted, I think, in that old-school hockey mentality of this flippy puck kid's not going to be good. He, he can't sustain this. He's not going to keep this going. Whereas I think that, and there's proof of concept with Zegras being a first-line center. Jamie Drysdale, you and I both have our concerns out with some of the, the tracking data, some of the, the RAPM data, things like that, that I think he's going to be a good defenseman in this league. Yeah. I, I think he's going to essentially be like a Cam Fowler, where he's never going to be essentially your top, a, a number one defenseman. Like a true NHL. number one. Like, I think Cam Fowler is the best defenseman on this team, but this is... Correct. For, for the last couple of years, he has been, and for the last couple of years, they've been terrible. So Correct. I yeah. think Jamie Drysdale is going to be more so like that. I don't necessarily, I know people will point to the offensive, the point totals. That he the points, Jake. What about the points? But I don't think he has the offensive ceiling that some people are looking at. And that was honestly something I can remember looking at and some people mentioning when he got drafted was that there were a lot of people who are focusing on his offensive ability, but there were some smarter people out there like a Scott Wheeler that said, I don't necessarily see him as a power play quarterback. I think his defensive game is actually a lot under, is very underrated at this point in time. And I think that that's something that we could see grow in the NHL still, because that's something where he would look lost at various points in time, but he grew into that. I think a bit last year, um, offensively though, I just, I, I think he's really good at transitioning the puck, but I don't think he has the vision and offensive wherewithal on a power play to be able to create chances for other people. And I think that is where Olin Zellweger sets himself apart with his ability to not essentially just shoot the puck 
and he really looks for that passing lane. That was something I noticed a lot. And maybe I'm getting too far ahead of myself. Maybe I'm doing what people do with McTavish. It's highly possible. That's the thing. That that's why I mentioned that before we started this. <laughs> yeah, and and but I think it's important to at least have that wherewithal and that uh, being you're, able to you're to aware assess. of how you're coming off. Correct, and I think that's important here. And but I think that the way that Zellweger plays. The, his ability to transition the puck and his offensive ability to be able to create uh, chances for his teammates, I think is something that I don't necessarily see in Drysdale. I don't know if I've ever necessarily seen that in Drysdale. And so that's not meant to be a knock on Drysdale. I just think that Zellweger is going to become the better defenseman. So that's a bold take because although Zellweger has had incredible production, I mean, one, I mean, one of the most incredible seasons by defensemen i don't know Mm -hmm. what the specific record is and i should probably know that but 78 points in 55 games is a lot i mean he's and so in you know the the, his draft year you know obviously shortened there but if you look at the body of work for for zellweger what's intriguing to me is that he's already got two seasons in in the whl he has the crazy point production he has the skill set i'm intrigued I, it, but it's almost so There's good. No, there, there isn't proof of concept in the NHL, whereas we have some for, for it, Drysdale. It's almost so good that I'm just thinking, well, what the heck? is this? How much of this is going to translate? And I do think that a lot of his skills are projectable, and we did get a taste of it in the stint he had in the AHL, the one game he played uh, in the playoffs. I mean, he picked up an assist, and you could see in the ice time that Joel Bouchard so graciously gave him at the end of the game, that he's got this ability to manipulate four checkers and to break the puck out, even against stiffer competition. And I do think that that's a very projectable skill, and he has this understanding of when to activate off the blue line. And just comparatively, you know, between him and, and Drysdale, I think that anyone just watching the players would agree that Zellweger is just the more skilled player puck on stick. He's more creative He's more deceptive. He's got this ability to get shots through, you know, his ability to fake out defenders, get past guys. He's just better at that. He's, for the lack of a better word, he, he's more highlight reel than Jamie Drysdale is. So I'm going to let you address this. Poker Puck brings up, and something kind of we briefly mentioned, but there are only like six, talking about Drysdale, there are only six, like six, seven, 19-year-old defensemen that ever have scored 30-plus points in the NHL, and Drysdale is one of them. I'll I mean, let you kind of mentioned kind of both both of of us i think share the same view on this so that's a stat that's been you know thrown around a lot on twitter and i think that it's it's well and good that that jamie drysdale has scored you know that that he has joined that group and i and it's not without it's not without merit jamie drysdale i will push back on one of your points this year he was i thought he was good on the power play he wasn't necessary he didn't look like a future power play quarterback but the RIPM data does show he was a positive contributor at at driving offense, and just Fair. watching it, well, just watching him play, he was good. At, he was good at getting shots through. He was good at activating. So I think he's got some upside there. But I think that evaluating defensemen through the lens of points is a really slippery slope because there's just so much more that goes into defending and being an effective defenseman in the NHL and even a great forward than points. You know, points are just the end result. But points can be really noisy. You know, secondary assists, goals we know are prone to variance, bounces one year that you that you get one year that you don't get the next. So it's well and good that he got those points, and I think there's merit to that. But I wouldn't use that and to say that he's this 
going to be this elite defenseman now because of that. If you Once a guy makes it to the NHL, we can really get a quantitative measure of the other facets of his game. And last year, Trevor, I mean, Trevor Zegers, Jamie Drysdale was a terrible defender. When he was on the ice, the Ducks conceded offense against themselves, or they, they conceded offense at a well below average rate. Basically, when he was on the ice, the other team had its way. And so, despite the fact that he got points, if you can't defend, right? I mean, that's what people used to criticize Eric Carlson about back in the day and say, oh, well, that's why he doesn't deserve the Norris because he's all, you know, all flash, no substance. And so with Drysdale last year, there was some degree of that. I'm not holding all of that against him because I think he shouldn't have been in the NHL last year. Quite frankly, I think that he is a guy who was rushed. They did not give him another full season in, in junior and he struggled in the, in the COVID season. So all this to say that, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't look at the points as this big kind of reason for saying he's exceptional. I do think you're underselling Drysdale uh, just a touch because I think that the, he, you can see in the tracking data that he's already v- very good at getting the puck up I said he would, be like a, he would be like a Cam Fowler. Is that underselling him? Well, I think that some you, – you say that, but then you say other things that Fair. Con, that kind <laughs> Fair. of – Fair. Right? Like the Fowler thing is well and good, but it's also – Followed up by a lot of other critiques. That's fair. That's fair. I think that just to put it simply, he his potential to me right now is a very good, very very good top four defenseman who's not going to necessarily be elite at getting you know points, but is just going to be excellent in all three zones. I think that that's his ceiling right now. I think yep. his his floor is probably just a very good second pairing defenseman. That's his floor. I think he's shown enough. Now for Zellweger. Because so much of his value is dependent on his ability to create plays and to get offense, I just need to see I need to see it to really make to go as far as you're going right now. Fair. So anyway. All right. It's, it's a it's a bold take, but we should get into questions. Questions. So we're gonna start with Twitter actually. Then we've got we, a bunch. And then we will move or actually no. Scratch that. Starting with Discord. Starting with our Patreon Discord. We're going there. These are the people that support us on yeah. there. We're gonna go there first. Um, Darko Theory said, do you think the elite Sam Steele ends up somewhere in the NHL this year? I uh, hope so. Yeah, I think that, I think he probably will take a PTO at this point in time. And then, uh, uh, preseason, who do you think will be last place this year? And what would you be willing up to give up for their first in 2023? Um, I think that just means in general, who do you think will be in last place? I think Arizona and yeah. it, it would take way too much. Yeah, no, I don't think anyone's giving that up if they're in that position. Olaf is berserker said, "Who's likely to get more ice time in the NHL this year, Minchukov or Zellweger?" Zellweger. I think Minchukov's yep. going to get a season in, in junior again. Yep. Uh, our good friend Green Bastard just loves bringing up uh, these types of questions. What does Ian Moore's plus minus of plus one of the World Junior Championship so far, this is on August 15th, say about his long-term outlook in the NHL? Yeah, future Norris Trophy winner. There you go. Plus minus means everything. Uh, And JJ Stone drums to kind of what we just talked about, saying, is it bad slash weird that I'm more hyped for Zellweger than I ever was for Drysdale? I don't think it's weird because especially if you listen to our show, you may have been a little disappointed in the Drysdale pick to begin with. And I think that that's always, at least for me, kind of colored the analysis of him. 
But I think we shouldn't get so down on Drysdale. I, th I still think he's going to be good. But it's not weird. I mean, Zellweger is a very exciting player, and he is, like I said, more highlight reel than Drysdale. Hattori Hanzo said, Th Thoughts on a Ducks color scheme with Eggplant and Orange? Kind of like a Virginia Tech, but with Eggplant as compared to Maroon. Also, I don't like the jerseys with the glittery gold or silver. Hates the Vegas jerseys for that reason, and also don't like it on the Web D ones. I don't know. I feel like you should answer the, 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 that first part of the question. So I've seen mock-ups with egg, kind of a mishmash of doing orange with the eggplant. And I'm just not a fan. It's fun, though. I'm No, but I'm just not a fan of that color scheme. Like, for me, it's I love the eggplant and jade. And I think those colors work yeah. together. And it's probably a nostalgia for me also where it is a I don't like this change. Give me what it was. Being Also, complete sidebar. Uh, I was looking at Etsy today for Mighty Duck shirts because I was scrolling through TikTok. <laughs> saw a random person, a random TikTok with a guy wearing a cutoff uh, Mighty Duck shirt, and it looked amazing. And I might buy it. I found it on Etsy, but it's only in a medium. We'll see. Um, wow. Yeah, but no. So I I don't like eggplant and orange. I think if you're gonna go back to eggplant, go to eggplant and jade. Keep the orange for a third jersey. Um, and, I, and yeah, I agree and, with and, that. And do that with the Web D there. Agreed. Uh, hey, Odiflo said, there's been recent speculation that Dallas Akins was not given full control over lineup construction during Bob Murray's tenure with the team. Do you suspect this was the case? And if so, does that bode well for potential lineup optimization on the Ducks this season if Murray was indeed calling the shots? I think this is such a hard one to answer because th there's just too much to get into. My, my quick and easy answer will be that hopefully, yes. Hopefully that... that Maybe the, the lineups will be better, but... The one rebuttal I have is things didn't necessarily change. They got worse once Bob Murray Well, yeah, I, th we could do another podcast on this question alone. Uh, I'm just going to say that we just don't know the extent of Murray's involvement. Does it mean, hey, play these certain guys, play, the, play these certain guys, and play them in certain situations, and if X situation arises in X way, then do this, play these... Like, like, what, like we just don't know the extent. And so to say that, to, to basically let Aikens off the hook for bad decisions because Murray had influence on the team, I think people need to understand that, you know, GMs have influence on the team. They have influence on the way the lineup is constructed, and that can vary from team to team. So for this point to really matter, we would need to know that Murray's influence was just so outrageously beyond what any other GM would do to really fully let Aikens off the hook. And we don't know that, so I'm not letting it off the hook. So we'll just see. That's my It's answer. also just a whole lot of conjecture there when all the information we have is what the lineups are. Well, I just feel like people use this like very opaque situation where, oh, you know, he there was influence and, and you know, Bob Murray was calling some shots to, to then just basically say, we know nothing about Dallas Aikens. Like, the logic there doesn't match. If you want to say because of the influence of, of Murray that we might not really know enough about Aikens, I think that's that's more of a fair point. But if you're going to say, well, we know this little anecdote, so because of that, we just don't know anything about Dallas Aikens on the last three years, like, come on. Like, the, the logic just doesn't fall. Yep. Uh, Coldfire asks, who do you think had a more dominant slash impressive World Junior Championship tournament? Zegras last year or McTavish this year? I'm going to go Zegras just because I watched that one. <laughs> yeah, we watched. And it was, he had, let's just say, he had more points. We've I know we've rallied against points, but you know what? It's a simple, easy comparison, and we don't have a whole lot of other data. Yeah. 
Uh, D Frenzy says, if McTavish gets sent back down to junior, uh, uh, gets sent down, does he go back to junior? And is there a point same for Zellweger? So yes, for to answer the question about kind of the logistics of it, uh, McTavish, you have to essentially. If you were drafted out of the CHL, which I believe applies to Menchukov also, because he was drafted out of the OHL, even though he is Russian, um, you have to be 20 by the uh, by December 31st in order to be AHL eligible due to the AHL CHL agreement. And so Mason McTavish is not going to be uh, 20 until uh, December uh, or until January. Zellweger is not going to be 20 until over a year from now. So neither of them are AHL eligible. Once they get sent back to junior, they have to stay there also. Um, and so is there a point with Zellweger? I think there might be a point. You could maybe talk about physical maturity, things like that. McTavish, I see less of an argument for it, though. He'll, McTavish will be in the NHL. Yeah. Uh, Jesse said, who wins a cup first, in uh, Vegas or Seattle? Uh, ooh, good question. Yeah. Ugh, man. Let me ask. Let, let me pose the question a different way. Will Vegas win a cup in this window that they've kind of built for themselves? I'm going with no now. I don't know if they make the playoffs. They don't have a goalie. <laughs> well, okay. Assuming they get a replacement level goalie, like just a, a whatever goalie, it, you know, who's not good, not great, not terrible, just a fine goalie. And you look at that roster, you know, do you think they're a playoff team with that roster? Yeah, I don't think they're a cup contender, though. So that's my thing is that I just don't think they have this path to really reestablishing themselves. It's going to be really hard. So I don't think they're going to get a cup in this window, which means I'm going to go with Seattle. Yep, I'm going with Seattle also. <laughs> Shane Wright and Maddie Beneers down the middle. Let's Man, go. They could be fun this year, actually, with that. Yeah. Um, the Puff said, would you put McTavish, Segris, and Terry on the same power play or split them? Uh, so... Here's the th weird thing with that. So I'm trying to remember Terry. I feel like, t so Terry's on the left side on the power play, right? Terry and Zegers, I think were on same they, power. They, they kind of alternate. Yeah. So if you want to put McTavish net front or in the bumper spot. Yeah, sure. Why not? Let's yeah. see it. Yeah. No real issue with it. No I, issue. I mean, I don't have an issue with messing with combinations on power plays also. Yeah. Tinker, tinker away. Yep. Yep, exactly. All right, so now we're going to go to Twitter questions, and then we'll get to Twitch. Uh, HockeyWare said, how many ads will be on the Ducks jerseys this year? So I think teams have started announcing, right, ads on jerseys. Columbus, I think, has one, right? I think mm -hmm. I saw that with Johnny Gaudreau. I'm going to go with the Ducks have one on their jersey. Okay. Okay. Oh, by the way, I, I, I don't really have an, a stance on that. I, I got a DM this weekend that – it was a question, but I, we've kind of addressed it, but I do want to point it out. This is from Hockey South said, where should Zellweger play? I think we both agree. I don't know if we actually agree. Have we specifically said where he should play? He should start with the Ducks. I think, yeah, he should start with the Ducks. Let's see what he has with the Ducks. Um, is a European league an option for Zellweger? I don't know if I, either of us knows the answer to that. I believe it is. I think that he can go and play over in Sweden if he Sweden or Finland if he wants. What should happen? What will Anna push him into? What will the Ducks push him into? So I think that they're just going to play it safe with him. I don't know if they're going to they're they're not. I don't think they're going to try to rush him, but they did rush Jamie Drysdale. So who yeah, knows? I think most likely he's going to play in Everett. And the one thing also yeah. to keep in mind, I don't think putting him over in Europe is that beneficial for him. And the main reason why is 
I don't think playing him on the big ice surface is going to do him any favors with this game. Well, the game is different. And I also just think that like the whole transition to a, d- a different culture, different country, all that just for one year, it's just, it's just too much of a distraction. You yeah. know, like let him just be in a comfortable environment where he can hone his game. Like McTavish. I think the big reason that he went over first off was the OHL wasn't going to be playing. Well, yeah. And, and, it, is, and, is, and he is, he's a citizen of Switzerland. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not a huge culture shock for him. Exactly. So Andrew Boydston asks, uh, has the crow of doubting McTavish taste, or how has the crow of ta- doubting McTavish tasted? Sweet gammy, let us know. Well, I'm just going to say this. I've had my appetizer of crow. <laughs> I'm still awaiting the main course. I can see it cooking in the kitchen, though, and it looks delicious. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Go. That's good. All, all eggs in one basket said, do we think uh, Pat Verbeek will trade slash sign for another forward? We try with Nino Niederreiter, or do you think they will add another defenseman, maybe a physical one? That's a great question because I he said he wanted another forward, another defenseman. They got Klingberg. Still haven't gotten the other forward. So I'm going to say yes to the forward. I feel <sighs> picture if they got Nino Niederreiter. I mean, that would have helped a lot. That would yeah. have, this lineup would be a lot more interesting. Um, on Phil the, Castle? He's not good, but it would be fun. Yeah, hot dogs. Um, uh, so on the defenseman point, though, I do think that they could use another defenseman. But I don't think they will because they have so many bodies at this point. Yeah. Uh, defend the nest said this is a non-hockey question so love you john are you going to watch the new game of thrones series or house of dragon or are you still hurt by how the original engine ended or does matt smith override that hurt this is an important question um i'm gonna watch it i i guess this might be a hot take i didn't mind the ending of game of thrones i didn't think it was great but i kind of went in not expecting it to be amazing because they clearly had to rush it and did it in a much shorter amount of time than they probably should have. It should have been another full season to play out this information. But once they announced the amount of episodes, I kind of knew that's what it was going to be. So I just kind of enjoyed the ride. So I don't hate it as much as everyone else does because of that. As for Matt Smith, uh, Matt Smith is going to make it weird for me to watch because he is my favorite doctor. And so it's going to be very odd for me to uh, see him in a different role. Anytime I see him in a different role, it's weird for me. I have no comment because I've never seen Game of Thrones. There you go, folks. Uh, Tony three. That's why people ask me the question and not you. To be yeah. to be clear, uh, Tony three one two four. Our good friend Tony said, "Who is the Ducks' top prospect? McTavish, Zellweger, Minjukov, or Luke Rudolph?" I'm going with Luke Rudolph. Yeah, yeah, Luke He's, is by far. What What would his draft year be? Oh God. Uh, <laughs> when, an, when is he first eligible to be? He's drafted? in August 2020 or July 2022. So what's 18 2040 2040 oh my god that that number is sickening yeah yeah uh, who's the ducks top prospects McT- well so this is something we've been basically talking about but of those three it's mctavish i think yeah, it's, it's mctavish it's, it's mctavish um steven fabrizio we've already kind of answered this but i'll at least just give him a shout out do you think we still bring in another forward for beak's uh, previous comments yes for Ver- has been a man of his word so i'm gonna go with yes Yep. Uh, Barry Edding said, how do you counter the narratives that Zellweger's size will be an issue? I mean, I feel like we've we've spent a large part of the show doing that. But basically just that there's been other, you know, smaller players that have succeeded. It's clearly not a necessary skill to success. He's got plenty of skating ability. His ability to read the game, read situations and adapt is, you know, very high level. 
and he's just very skilled, you know, with his, just his ability to handle the puck, his ability to deceive and to manipulate defenders. That's why he can counter it because he doesn't need to be bigger than everyone else. Yep. All right. So now we're going to Twitch. So for those of you watching on YouTube, yes, we're on YouTube, youtube.com slash crash the pond. Or if you're uh, listening on your favorite podcast services, you can find us each and every Monday. Well, right now we're figuring it out. But once the season starts, I do that every time. Each and every Monday at 8 p.m. Pacific time. And that is going to be our time slot, I think, continuing to move forward. Right, Felix? We'll see. Okay. There you go. Things are up in the air with baby and law school. But as of right now, plans are to stay at 8 p.m. once the season begins and preseason begins, everything like that. Um, but you can support us at, uh, there and watch us live. If you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime gaming sub each and every month. You do have to hit that subscribe button after 30 days. And you can be just like Fat Geralt and Heyo Flow by doing that. You get special emotes in the chat, special badges next to your name, and it does help support us more than you can imagine. So if you want to help us in a way monetarily, but that is completely free to you, that's one way to do it. And if you want to just follow us and hit that notification uh, bell, you will get notified anytime that we go live. So that's also another way to just support us, just so you can tune in and watch us and know when we go live. So, Fatral asks us, and this is an interesting question, should Ducks fans be concerned if Henry Thrun and Jackson Lacombe don't sign? And follow up, where do they fit on the depth chart? I'm going to go with no, because if they don't sign, I think that tells me that they probably... I think that they probably don't see an opportunity for themselves. It's kind of like why Drew Hellison was happy to be traded away from the Avalanche. And it's like, if you don't see an opportunity for yourself, that means that there's a lot of players ahead of you. And if there's a lot of players ahead of you, that means the cupboard is fairly stocked. So I wouldn't take that as like this referendum on the, the Anaheim market or anything like that. So I don't think they should be concerned. And if they do, I mean, if, you know, once they, if, if they do uh, actually sign and, and blah, 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 uh, where do they fit? I mean, I think that they probably start out in the AHL and, and kind of work like, their way up. To me, both those guys top out as like second pairing. Sec- second pair, I think second pairing guys. I think they're more so like a, in terms of where they're going to be in the NHL in a couple years. They're like a Josh Maher, or Simon Benoit. Yeah, I would I would say a little couple, high. Couple, couple of years. Right. I mean, I think that, that their ceiling is higher than those two for sure. But yes. I understand. I don't know. Mahura's ceiling was pretty high at the time. Yeah, that's fair. That's like, fair. Mahura was a second round pick. That's fair. Fair like, point. Yeah. Uh, Chunky, I, I guess I'm, I think I have something in Benoit. Yeah. Benoit was undrafted, but Benoit also has way exceeded what you would expect from that type of player. Yes. Uh, Chunky Tinsel 90 said, question, will the Ducks ever get away from the current con- color combo? Maybe bring back the eggplant uh, teal black uh, combo. It, uh, I'm just gonna jump in. It, it's Jade. It, that that's a minor pet peeve of mine. It's Jade, not Teal. Um, <sighs> teal is the sharks. That's why you hate it. Correct. Correct. That is a big reason why I don't like the 25th well, anniversary I thought, jersey. I thought it was Aqua. I've what? heard the broadcast call it Aqua. No, it's it's eggplant and Jade. They've said Aqua. Jade. Well, maybe that's what they think, but they're wrong. <laughs> you go back. It was egg. It's always been eggplant and Jade. So I don't think they're going to go back. I, uh, I, I in, want them to. I don't think they will. I think the team needs to be sold for them to go back. And I don't think Probably. the team's going to be sold. Probably. Soon. Uh, DB Lowry said, is it just me or is the lack of goaltending keeping the Pacific Division wide open at the top? Yes. Although I think that Calgary is kind of the presumptive favorite right now. Uh, I think it's L.A. Mm, I think Calgary's pulled away a little bit from LA. 
I guess yeah, Kadri kind of helps with that. I, I think that I think that Kadri going there has made me more solidified in what Calgary is going to be this season. I think it's going to be between Calgary and LA at the top there. Yeah, and I think Edmonton has a claim to that. But yeah, because of the goaltending though, there it it is still not just totally set in stone. Yeah, because I don't think LA's goaltending is necessarily set in stone. It could go anywhere. To well, be I mean, Jonathan Quick has been good, but yeah, but he's you know, old. He's, he's thirty six. Like. I, Hopefully it'll continue, but we don't know that. So, depends on your perspective on that. With hopefully, well, I just mean you know for his for his sake, you know we don't want to see anyone drop off a cliff. Fair, but as a Ducks fan, you probably don't care slash would want to see him drop off a cliff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you've got Cal Peterson also there. So and who I think was not that great for them last year. No. Um. And so yeah, it's really kind of up in the air, and that's why I think that. I mean, we, let's just kind of say this briefly. I think you and I both think the Ducks are in a position to battle for a playoff spot this year. Yeah, so people are really upset that I said that the Ducks should be competing for a playoff spot, and I think that they take that to mean that they're making it. Where do, I don't know how you take that as what I meant, but I think that if like they should be competing. Oh, I think they make the playoffs. I think at a minute, like, is it crazy to say that they should be competing for no. a playoff spot? No, it's not. Well, and this is, I think, the the point that I think a lot of people are kind of missing. I, I think that people see Pat Verbeek selling off guys last year, selling off Lindholm, selling off Manson, selling off guys. And Oh, they were they were terrible after the deadline. How, well, no, how, how, but, how are they going to be good? No, this is something I got in my mentions was, oh, they were terrible after the deadline, so how are they going to be good next year? Like Player yeah, development. That, that player development. Roster, well, that roster was gutted. I mean, it, you know, to a degree. Well, yeah, and so and they've brought in Vetrano, they've brought brought in uh, Ryan Strom, they've brought in John Klingberg, and, and so if if John Gibson can just not fall off a cliff, like let's be real, that's the reason the Ducks weren't in the playoff race last year. Yeah, well, that's why they dropped out of the playoff race. Correct. So, no, exactly. That same, is why to they. Your, to your point. And, and so it this team, if they would have just gotten average goaltending, right, they probably would have been in the playoff hunt. If they had just gotten Anthony Stolar's goaltending, who who is on the team? Yeah. So and, and so, kind of looking at it from that perspective, and you take out Manson, you take out Lindholm, you take out Raquel, but you add in Vitrano. Well, that's you the thing. Add, you add in Strom. You add in Klingberg. You have another year of development from from Trevor Zegers. You add in Mason McTavish. You add in another year of development from Troy Terry. Another year of development from Jamie Drysdale. All these guys. And as long as you get average goaltending from John Gibson, this is a team that's going to be in the playoff hunt because that's where they were last year. And that was right around where they should have been also at that point in time. Yeah, and I feel like something we're not talking about enough is that the Ducks' power plays should be good. Like I, yeah. I think they should have a good power play. They have enough just pieces where it doesn't matter how crappy the coaching but is. Like they should be good. Getting back to the point though is that I feel like people look at that selling and kind of forget the type of core that this team has built yeah. and kind of what they were able to do last year with that younger group. And let's just assume Max Comtois isn't a, a net zero and is well, able to actually. I I I'm not holding my breath on that one. Oh, let's just say he has some positive score shooting regression. Which is what should happen, right? Yes. Well, I'm I'm not thinking about that in term. I'm, I'm not thinking about production for him. It's just last year he was just well. But a, I'm even. But you he, even even with him being that bad of an on ice perspective, he still should have pitched in some more points, which helps. Uh, sure. Win games just sure. because of the the percentage of uh, the shooting percentage that he had. Sure. And sure. And, and so all of that being said, 
this team is not much different uh, in terms of overall quality in terms of the players on the team between this year and last year. And then you also factor in the development of guys. And I feel like people also overestimate how Hampus Lindholm was last year. Well, that's the whole thing, right? Is that, oh, they lost Lindholm. You know, he was this key piece. He wasn't really playing that well. And, I mean, Raquel was okay-ish. Vetrano could be better than Raquel was for the Ducks last year. Yeah, and I think Klingberg is going to be more impactful than Lindholm. Yeah, Uh, Lindholm was on the power play. Who's better on the power play for this team, Lindholm or Klingberg? Remember that? Remember that? That statement just literally made me, like, physically recoil. I forgot about that until this split second. I can I yeah I hadn't thought about it in a long time I, I I'm gonna go you, back to not thinking about it you've upgraded from Hampus Lindholm to John Klingberg on your power play unit <laughs> yes yeah let's go there. with that uh patch 29141 said question can the Ducks really compete for the playoffs without adding a D-man really feels they are missing a top four guy <sighs> that that's that's fair but I think that one may arise out of the heap of like I don't think that you need for you know nhl like you don't need four nominally top four defensemen to have a good top four you just need two pairings that work really well together and so if jamie drysdale can show that he can carry a guy or they move fowler around like you don't really need four guys you need two pairings that work do you remember uh the mahura benoit pairing was actually really good together yeah yeah i mean that's the thing i I think that their blue line is Still very much a work in progress. I think the thing that we're not counting enough is I think Kevin Shattenkirk is going to be on the third pairing. And I think that, you know, he wasn't good last year, but he was good the year before, or at least, you know, he was better the year before. I think he has a chance to be effective from that spot, and that may help shore it up as well. Yep. All right. Uh, let's just end with this one because we're at a minute f- or an hour 15 right now. Yeah. Uh, DB Lowry says, uh, does Pat Verbeek uh, shop Stolars at the deadline? Should. Sure. I think it depends. It depends on where they're at, or trades Gibson and uh, extends Stolars. Yeah, I'm. I we went from me being like over fifty percent Gibson's being traded to now I'm at like maybe ten percent, zero, like five yeah. to ten percent. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, do you buy the rumors now? Do you go back and do you take back all of your opinions on that and buy what his agent? No, I th- I think that. No, I, I think that th- there probably was something going on and nothing materialized. Like, that's okay. That's not a crazy thing. Okay. <laughs> I'll let you have that. All right. Anything else? No. Uh, someone asked, oh. though, will you rank the Pacific teams one through eight? And I kind of want to do that just for fun. So I'll just do mine really quickly here. Calgary- you do that. I'll, I'll let you do that. Lou had a question for us. I think he's off doing other things. I think recording their late arrival show. So I will get to that after you're done. Calgary 1, LA 2, Edmonton 3, Vegas 4, Anaheim 5, uh, Seattle 6. Or no, sorry. Vancouver 6, Seattle 7, San Jose 8. There you go. Um. All right. Lou had asked me to uh try to um essentially uh pick ducks that represent AEW wrestlers oh no we don't have so, time trevor zegris is definitely the young bucks um that's the only one i really want to say so I'll, I'll leave the rest for another episode that might be a patreon question lou give that to us i just needed to, to make sure lou knew that uh 
Trevor Zegers I, I is can, the young bucks. I can just see that one just going, going for a while. I want to say this though. I may be engaging in a post in and out run after this. And, uh, I have heard the rumors of the tomato bun, and I may give it a try. That sounds awful. It just looks messy, but no, I'm it curious. Sounds, it, it sounds awful. I'm curious. Do you I not like just, tomatoes? No. Oh, well, <laughs> you also don't like eggs. I don't. Which are a, a pillar but, food. But guess what? I have been a great husband over my paternity leave, and every morning I've made my wife eggs. Wow, how does she like her eggs? We need to know this. Uh, I mean, I don't really know how different eggs are made, but she likes. I crack an egg in. No, I don't know how. I don't. How eat do you eggs. not know this? I don't eat eggs. Why would I know the different how ways are you they're this made? Uncultured. Because I don't eat them. Scrambled. Uh, Genki Horiguchi uh, or Horiguchi's barber said QT Marshall is Derek Grant. Oh, that's harsh on QT Marshall. I think QT Marshall at least knows he's horrible. Hold on, hold on. Like he, he's it's it's, a, it's part of his gimmick that he's that bad. You're doing the you're doing the delay slash deflect. Um. You, oh. Oh. Yeah. I. Why would I? But why would I know? I just know scrambled. Maybe it's like over medium or over easy. I don't know. Where I I crack the eggs in there, and then I don't scramble them. I let them cook, and then I flip it and try to not break the yolk okay all right i think I'm that's just, like oh i think that's like over medium i'm just gonna i'm just gonna walk away i'm gonna walk away i'm gonna wash my hands of this weirdness and we'll be better for it do you know how different things are made that you don't like well i just feel like eggs are a very basic thing that everyone seems to know like the different types of eggs and and i think that you probably know more than you were letting on but no i don't <laughs> I tried to throw you a bone. I, why, I mean, why? eggs, like me not knowing like the Game of Thrones ending is just fundamentally different than you not knowing the difference between types of eggs, like the way they're they're made. Like that's I mean, it's honestly not to be to be fair, I will that say that is a good comparison. To be fair, that is a great comparison. More people know in this world the different types of eggs than know how Game of Thrones ended. I will promise you that. I don't often make promises, but that is one of them. Eh. Eh. like come on i don't eat them why would i know that i don't like them because you're in the you're in the this small sliver of the population that doesn't eat eggs that's the thing do you know all the different varieties of pies and what the different types are do and what the no difference but eggs are more eggs are more common than pies like eggs are basic this is a basic food i don't eat it why would i know <laughs> I don't understand how I mean, this is I mean, controversial. Your, your rationale for not knowing them, I understand it, but the whole thing is just is just effed up to begin with. So, anyway, <laughs> man, that I don't know. You, you, you've that's gonna change how I, how the, I look the, at you. The the chat is saying they've never heard you this appalled. I guess. I guess. I. I don't know. I will say this on the tomatoes. I just don't like tomatoes raw. How would you prefer them? Uh, sun-dried, to- sun-dried tomato I'm good with. A pasta sauce I'm good with. Uh, okay, okay, okay. I see what you're saying. Pico de gallo I'm good with. You you know, I, I do want to point out to you, Jake, that, that the tomatoes in pico de gallo. Oh, don't get Ferdaduck started. I saw his uh, response that the citrus of the lime makes it that they're not raw. So, boom. Okay. 
Hold on a second. <laughs> Have we gotten away from what the word raw means? Raw means not cooked, right? That's what it means. Uh, maybe to some it means unseasoned. Maybe that's an, that's a definition. But the plain English definition of raw is uncooked. I'm not going to look it up because, you know, common sense has to prevail here. So if it's not cooked, then it's raw in your pico de gallo. You like raw tomatoes. You've eaten them. I, I am that's looking all. right now. Give me one sec. I'm, I'm looking. Uh, if properly made, the un- oh, damn it. It was about onions, not tomatoes. Crap. Do you, do you like onions? Yeah, I'm good with onions. Okay. That, that, Damn redeem, it. that redeems I, you. Sorry, Ferda. I misrepresented his point. It was about the onions not being raw, not the tomatoes. Oh, okay. God. That, that just set me off, too. Damn it. You just wasted some of my, my <laughs> energy here. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. For, and sorry for misrepresenting. Um, no, tomatoes, it's more so just if they're, like, by themselves. Okay. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, yeah. I mean, to, you just haven't had a good tomato. A, a, a great tomato preferably you know from someone's garden you know that's usually the best you know what you should do you know you what i have eat. in my garden by the way some great lemons a lemon tree that is starting to yeah. bear a lot of fruit get a get a tomato plant going in your backyard i challenge you to do that no why would i do that i don't I, like tomatoes I, I i challenge you to do I that i guess i could and, cook them and stuff and yeah and you would thank me you would thank me but what if the, oh db lowry says but what if the to- tomatoes are in a taco bell burrito uh what what's the context here in regards to know. what i don't know I, I don't know either what if they, what if what if they are in a taco bell burrito then I mean, they're it's tomatoes ta- it's taco bell the only thing that's good at taco bell and i will give them this are crunch wrap supremes yeah i think the chalupa nope wow bold 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 okay crunch wrap, crunch wrap supremes and that's it i i don't think that's you you could have worse takes than that you 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 definitely have worse takes than that okay uh <laughs> <laughs> we should wrap up uh because it is time it is late i have reading to do i have uh jake has to take care of his, his child uh can we call him the child i think it'd be yeah. kind of funny yeah i mean he has grogu uh covering on one of his changing pads he has a bunch of i mean his entire stuff is his entire room is star wars i mean he is named luke <laughs> yeah yeah, it's a good name though. I think he's it works. De- he, he's definitely gonna hate Star Wars, on uh, going at this rate. Let me ask you this: Are you gonna teach him how to skate at a young age? Uh, I'll probably teach him how to rollerblade first. Okay, I mean that's the, that's easier. Yeah, <laughs> You don't have to take him to an ice rink. Is it weird that my first thought went to skateboarding, not actually ice skating? Yes. Why we do, we do a hockey show? Yeah, where we but talk I about skating. Beats. But I'm so excited to get him on a skateboard. Yeah, I mean that's that's fine. I, I'm glad you're excited, but I think that that's where my brain went first. Went to that. I think you should teach him how to ice skate, young. Because I mean, if, may, if maybe you, you'll have to trouble tra- uh, travel down here and teach him. If you do that, I I like it. Just seems to me like everyone I know that started skating really young is just good at hockey forever. Like they're always the better players on your your beer league teams or whatever. So set him up for a life of beer league success. Yeah, That's beer, what we want. <laughs> to, to be a, to be a silver player in beer league. Is he is, is he going to be a skater boy? Um, I almost put that on the caption when we had him in vans. Of he was a skater boy. He said, "See you later, girl." Huh? <laughs> Wait, what? I mean, the lyric isn't actually that, but still confusion uh, as always okay you don't know that wait what 
Wait, 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 wait. You don't you get to... You, this is not eggs. This no, is no, not no. eggs. Wait, 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 wait. You don't know the line, he was a skater boy, she'd say, she said, see you later, boy. I've heard the line. I don't know. You, I, cu- I couldn't cite where it's from. Is that a crime against humanity? No, yes, it's not. Yes, 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 You yes. not knowing the difference between eggs is, like, way, way worse than me you, not knowing some random not, song. You not knowing the quintessential... 90 late 90s early 2000 pop punk banger from avril lavigne is a, a pure shame i don't know if it's pop punk really but still. oh she's canadian wow do you not that. wait <laughs> why is this show still going wait you didn't know that avril lavigne was canadian i think why did you have to why did you have to go and make things so complicated Look, we need to get the hell out of here. This is, this is. Uh, I have egg on my face right now. Take us, take us out. I'm happy with that being my last line. Uh, it went way over your head. Yeah. Uh, okay. God, this is this. I don't know what to say. I'm just gonna say that if you enjoyed this show, if you're having a great summer and you want to spread the joy and help us keep this thing going into the off or into the, the actual regular season. Check out our Patreon. Uh, just go to patreon.com slash crash the pond. Got different uh, levels of support there. A dollar a month, you get access to our Discord. It's so much fun. Check it out. $5, you get access to that. Plus, bonus episodes. So just go to the link. It's it's on my Twitter. So go to my Twitter, at Felix underscore Sicard. I have the appropriate link now in my profile. Oh, wait, you did that now? I had his <laughs> AC pod for like three years. I had it, I had it as patreon.com slash AC pod in memoriam of the Anaheim Calling podcast we should do, which is now this podcast. The lineage is there. Um, and then Jake called it out. And, and then I just had it up there to spite him. And the other day I was looking at my profile. I was like, I should change that. So just go to my Twitter. Follow yeah. that link. Yeah. Think about all the followers you've gotten since then. Yeah. That now that that have not become patrons because you had the wrong link. Yeah, I am the reason this podcast has not reached, uh, you know, fame and fortune. It's mm-hmm. put it on me, put yeah. it on me. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> man, I am just losing it. Check check, check us out. <laughs> Apple Podcasts, uh, search Crash the Pond, <laughs> Spotify. We're there too. We're on YouTube. Jake is on Twitter at ReindeerGames91. <laughs> and that's going to do it for the show. Seriously, if you're still listening, I don't know how you made it. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Have a great summer. Bye. Hags. Hags. You get that one? <laughs>